So Brian was asked if he um, should introduce me. Uh, and so he took out a pen. He was going to write down some notes. And he said, well, I don't really know you, David. And I said, that's okay. I'll introduce myself. Uh, but I'm going to mostly introduce myself through the sermon. I'll just tell you that my name is David Crum. And I um, worship at Hope in uh, Bloomington. And uh, I was really uh, uh, surprised to get an invitation to come to preach this morning, but what an honor this is. Uh, pretty difficult after listening to all of you talk in the, those, that morning session, uh, because um, you're all more articulate than I am, but here goes. At Hope, I've been asked to uh, teach a men's Bible study and so I asked if I could teach a study on the book of Romans. So this morning I thought I would just teach you the book of Romans. So if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 1, I'm going to do this in 25 minutes. Romans 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard. You probably have the uh, English Standard, so it's going to be a little bit different. Paul a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was born of its descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. This is the word of God. It is true. It is eternally true. Let us pray. 
Father, what a precious possession we have here in our hands. Your word, this special revelation. And you have entrusted it to us. You've not only given it to us, you've entrusted it to us. And how we pray, O oh Lord, that we would be faithful in how we read it, how we understand it, how we teach it. And so I pray that you will bless the meditations of our hearts and the words of my lips through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I think it was 1995, and my father was in the hospital. He lived in Florida, and I went down to visit him. And sitting next to him, uh, he was in his bed, of course, uh, I asked if it would be all right if I'd read scripture to him, and he said yes. So I read to him from uh, the Gospel of John. I can't remember exactly what passage it was, uh, but when I finished reading, my dad put his uh, hand on my arm and he said to me, David, did you understand what you just read? And I said, yes. And he said, I've never understood. I was raised in the same church my father was raised in. And he went to that church all through his youth and all through his young adulthood with his children. And then uh, when he and my mother moved to Florida for retirement, he went to a, a church there where he was actually a deacon in his church. And he says to me, I've never understood. Do you know what a blessing it is to understand Scripture? Even if we don't understand it all, to understand what we do understand. Let me ask you a few questions. I know that you are ruling elders and teaching elders and your families let me still ask you, are you sinners? You can answer. Yes, you're sinners. You know that you are, right? You know that you're sinners. Do you know that you have a redeemer? That there is a redeemer who can redeem you, who can save you from the punishment for your sin? Do you know that? And do you know who he is? That it's Jesus and that there is no other. You know that. And, and you can find that in Scripture. I, I know that we have general revelation, but general revelation won't tell you these things. But this special revelation does. And we have it. We have it here in our word. I'm going to just speak very briefly today. I only have so much time, and that's fine with me, from verse 1 and then the beginning of verse 16. And these are the questions I'm going to ask as we look at these two, two short passages. First of all, who am I? And I want you to ask these same questions of yourself. Who am I? What am I? What is my position? What is my task? And what is my commitment? Who am I? So, see, I'm going to told you I was going to tell you who I am. So, uh, my name is David. Although, when I was young, 
Um, my mother called me David. Others in the household called me Dave. Except for my father. My father called me Pete. And so my brother Bob called me Pete. Some of my friends called me Dave and others called me Pete. And I was all of those things. There was one little girl who called me Petey. And my, uh, my uncle called me Crockett. He didn't call me Davy Crockett, he called me Crockett. So Paul begins and he says, Paul. But you know, um, his family would have said, well, that's not quite right. Your name is Saul, right? Saul. We know him as Saul of Tarsus. And, and so as he was growing up, he was Saul. And then he was involved in this, um, what he would have called a ministry of persecuting the church. And that's where we encounter him. Paul, this, isn't, this is Saul. Uh, this, this is a man who is a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and who is convinced that this Jesus of Nazareth is not the Messiah. This is Saul. But not when he writes this letter, is he? As a matter of fact, we find, I think it's in uh, Acts chapter 13, that there's the transition from him being referred to as Saul to being referred to as Paul. Now that he's been sent out on what is his first missionary journey, and, and at the beginning of the chapter, it's Barnabas and Saul. At the end of the chapter, it's Paul and Barnabas. He's Paul. I'm David. And you know who you are, right? Who am I? What am I? Well, I could tell you that um, I'm a believer. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Um, I could give so many other descriptions of what I am. I have, uh, matter of fact, I, I stopped for breakfast this morning, and uh, after breakfast I, I was paying my check, and I also took out a business card and wrote on, on the back of it a note to uh, my server, and I noticed on the front of my business card, I got this a couple years ago when I came to Bloomington, I, I don't really have a job, so what, what do I need a business card for? But I thought to hand this out to the homeless people in town that I would talk to and other people I encountered, I'd give them at least my um, email address and my phone number. But I have on there David Crum, retired pastor, a bond servant of Christ. This is what Paul says here. He is a bond servant of Christ. Another way of saying it is, I'm a slave of Christ. I belong to Christ. I am his. Now, as I was preparing the sermon, I forgot that that was on the front of my business card. And I was looking at this and I thought, can I honestly say that I'm a bond servant of Christ? What is a bond servant? Interesting, you know, that we, we would have to ask that question now and, and see if we understand and know what a bondservant is. But when Paul wrote this letter, he didn't have to explain that, did he? Uh, those Romans, they all knew what bondservants were. They were all around them. They were there. 
in the city of Rome. There were bond servants. There were slaves. There, there were men and women and even children that they had to do their master's bidding, whatever that was, and no questions asked. And Paul is saying, that's who I am. That's what I am. I am a bondservant of Christ. Teachers, ruling elders, are you a bondservant of Christ? That's a hard question. It's, it's not something we just yes, no answer to. Maybe it should just have a yes, no answer. But it's, it's difficult to really own up to that, that I am a bondservant of Christ. I know that I've always wanted to do what I want to do, even as a pastor. And I hope this isn't true to the rest of you. Um, but, of course it is. I set my own schedule. You know, what time do I come into the office in, in the morning? Um, nobody told me what time to be there. Nobody even checked on me. I determined that. Uh, what time do I go to lunch? And how much time do I spend at lunch? Uh, what time do I leave in the evening? Uh, nobody's checking up on you. I mean, do I have a sermon on Sunday morning? Uh, do I visit those who are sick? You know, do I do all these different things? That's more or less what they wanted to know. But how I used my time was really up to me. But in a sense, maybe it wasn't. Because uh, if there are people needed to be visited, I would visit them. Uh, if there was counseling that needed to be done, I would do that counseling. Um, if, there, if there was just somebody who needed to be encouraged, that's who I would spend time with. I thought I was choosing this, but I believe God was directing me, and I hope he's directing you, as a bondservant. I do these things, I love doing those things, because that was what I am, a bondservant. But then the next question is, um, what's your position? Well, Paul says that he's called as an apostle. How many of you are apostles? Raise your hand. If you raise your hand, um, there's going to be some di questions directed at you at the next session this afternoon. There are no longer apostles, are there? These, these men who were specially chosen by Christ to be his ambassadors, uh, sent out with, with his special commission so, so that they spoke on his behalf and so that they could even write, as some of them did, John and Peter and here's Paul, that they wrote, and what they wrote, we look at it and we say, this is the word of God. Who else could do that? I mean, there were some other men who also were called to write the scripture and wrote the scripture, but this is one of the particular tasks of the apostles. And here's Paul, this Saul of Tarsus, who now is Paul, this, this enemy of Christ, who is now a bondservant of Christ, has been called as an apostle. And may I remind you, even though there may have been men involved in the process of interviewing you, examining you, voting on whether or not you could enter your office, 
all they were doing were confirming the call upon you. And so if you are a teaching elder, you've been called to be a teaching elder. If you're a ruling elder, you've been called to do that. And although you might say, well, you know, well, I've always wanted to do that. Well, even so, then who gave you that desire to do that? Paul was called as an apostle. Uh, I think of that, and I think of all that Paul went through as an apostle, and then I think of some of the prophets. And um, who would want to trade positions with Jeremiah and to be called to his position as prophet? I, you'd have to be crazy. Um, and, and if you would want that position, then we wouldn't give you that position. And yet he was called to that. And Paul was called to his position. And you've been called to yours. And some of these positions as pastors and, and ruling elders uh, are, are easier than others. But, but they all have uh, their, their difficulties. They all have their challenges. And you all have your responsibilities. And you've been called to carry out those responsibilities. Paul's responsibility was a tough, a difficult responsibility. And like Jesus, he often faced opposition. And you know of that opposition. I mean, uh, if I would ask how many of you have been stoned, you, you would think that I was talking about using marijuana. Um, but for Paul, it wasn't the use of marijuana. It was people picking up stones to stone him. Uh, and, and you know of all, all these other types of persecution he underwent as an apostle. Who is he? Paul. What? A bondservant. What's his position? An apostle. What's his task? Think of this. Called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. I want to suggest to you that is also the task that you've been given. Set apart for the gospel of God. This, this gospel that God has um, laid out, that, that, he had, that he had planned from all eternity and now that he's brought to accomplishment, a fulfillment in, in the sending of his son, uh, so, so that God the Son would take upon him flesh, um, that he would live a life without sin. And, and here he is, he's fully God, but he's also fully man, and he's tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin, which is incredible to me. It ought to be incredible to all of us. What temptations do I ever resist? Well, there are some, but it seems to me that most of them I have, I have great difficulty with if, if I don't just plain lose the battle. Tempted in all ways that we are, and yet without sin. This is God the Son, and so he lives this life without sin, and now, well, this is what he was sent to do, wasn't he? He was sent to die. 
although death is the penalty for sin, he was sent to die, and this is what this son, this, this gospel proclaims to us that this son did. He submitted as a, a, a lamb before the shearers is dumb. He submitted to the penalty for sin, but not his own sin, but your sin, my sin, the sin of all those whom God had given him from all eternity. And then he suffered that death upon the cross. Uh, well, you know, here we're in Romans. A friend of mine um, pointed out just a couple of weeks ago this very simple and yet profound thought. Paul writes other epistles, Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, you know them. But he's writing to cities there that he's been to before. And so we don't have in those epistles all that we have here in Romans. But he writes what he does in Romans because he's never been to Rome. He, he, would, he wanted to come there, but he's been prevented. He hasn't been there. And so he writes to them, and what does he write here? I believe what he writes here is what he taught in those other cities. And so when you come now to the remainder of chapter 1, and, you, and, and he mentions the wrath of God against sin, and God giving them over to this and giving them over to that, and you talk and you see about the, the Jews in chapter 2, how they're guilty of the same things. And then he writes about the law, and well, you can't have any hope in trusting the law. But then he writes again, of course, about the justification by faith in Christ. He's presenting the gospel. He's been entrusted with the gospel of God. And so have you. What a great and awesome task that is. The gospel of God. There are so many preachers in our day that they preach anything but the gospel of God. Which brings me to the last point. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. There are men that in their preaching, although they would say they're not ashamed of the gospel, in their preaching they are ashamed of the gospel. They do not preach the whole counsel of God. They do not stand firm on the word of God. That's shame. That's because you want people to like you. You think, maybe I'll draw more people in if I leave this message out. Jesus, Jesus uh, preached this message on, um, you know, uh, if, you, if you eat my body and drink my blood, and the disciples said, oh, don't preach that message. Uh, that's just going to, you know, pe people don't understand that. There are messages that we may be tempted not to preach because they won't understand. But is it what the word of God teaches? I am not ashamed of the gospel. You only have to say that because there's a possibility that you might be ashamed of the gospel. 
And so Paul, before he even writes the remainder of this letter, is making it clear to these people in Rome, you're going to get the, the, the full, unadulterated gospel, and it's going to begin with sin. Because there's no need for a Savior if there isn't sin, and there's no need for a Savior if we aren't all sinners. For all have sinned, right? And fall short of the glory of God. This is what he's going to say. So Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Greek, all of you, all of us, and isn't it just tremendous that this man who writes this letter regards himself as the chief of sinners? And sometimes, if we have any argument with the scripture, it may be that. Because we want to say, no, Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. And that's how we should feel when we step into the pulpit. Isn't that one of the most difficult things about stepping into a pulpit? Um, you know what you've just done the previous week. Maybe you know what you just thought earlier that morning. Maybe you had a fight with your wife or your children, and you're going to step into the pulpit. Yes, I step into the pulpit not as one who is without sin, but as a sinner who knows my Savior. And I declare to you, not, Jesus, not David Crumb, but Jesus Christ. Who am I? I'm David. What am I? I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What's my position? Retired pastor. Don't you all wish you could say that? Retired pastor. What's my task? Set apart for the gospel of God. Retired or not, I never retire from that. And what's my commitment? I am not ashamed of the gospel. I love the gospel. And I love the God whose gospel it is. And I want to see people come to know him, whom to know aright is life eternal. My dad didn't understand it. I explained to him what I had read to him. And when I was finished, he said to me, David, I'm too wicked to be saved. And I said, that's exactly what you tell Jesus. And then you trust that he took your sin upon himself and you put your trust in him. That's the gospel. That's the message. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for the gift of the gospel and of your word. 
and for the privilege of telling others about you, about your son. May they hear, may they receive, and may they understand. In Jesus' name.